But why wouldn't we also add in some of these biblical holidays, which um, some of our kids' most tangible and fun and memorable um, things that they're carrying with them and passing down are actually associated with holidays that God like gave us himself. It just seemed like such a great opportunity to get started in it. Welcome to the Strength and Dignity podcast, where we discuss Christian lifestyle, scripture, biblical concepts, and hear testimonies from various guests. I'm your host, Kelsey Pryor, and I hope you find encouragement, solid teaching, and thought-provoking concepts here. Welcome to our series on the biblical festivals. Through the course of this series, we will discuss the seven biblical feasts, what they mean to Christians today, Jesus' fulfillment of the spring festivals, what the fall festivals represent, as well as examples from families who celebrate these holidays today. If you enjoy this content, please be sure to share with your friends. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Strength and Dignity podcast. This episode is going to be the final episode in our biblical festival series. And it's a bunch of different interviews that I did with different couples and families discussing why they started to celebrate certain biblical festivals and their favorite traditions. So the first of the interviews is going to be my parents, Jeremy and April. So welcome, guys. Thanks for being on my podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having us. You know where we live. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I decided to be helpful for you guys to kind of describe what it was like when you first considered doing biblical festivals, because it's either when I was, I can't remember, or I was unaware of what was going on. So um, what that experience was like for you guys. Yeah. What was it like for you, April? <laughs> well, I remember the era very well. Um, I don't remember exactly the ages of our kids, but something like the oldest, Kelsey, being five, Jackson being four, and then Sydney being one, or something like that. Um, and we had, um, I think we had started Shabbat by then, or maybe we were had done it for a little while, and Jeremy was getting more and more um, desperate for tools to train our kids and we were on the verge well not even on the verge we actually went over the edge and started a holiday (laughs) it was he decided to celebrate reformation day we didn't we didn't actually start reformation day just to be clear no (laughs) reformation day is a thing and it happens to be on october 31st which happens to coincide with halloween which we weren't huge fans of anyways and so we're like let's just make something up that (laughs) I remember Reformation Day. Yes, the one time vivid. we did it. The one time we did it, it was very vivid. Because the, the, diet, the of diet of worms was especially exciting because it consisted of a paper plate with gummy worms covered in whipped, um, cream. whipped cream that you had to eat through the whipped cream to get to the gummy worms. Yeah. The diet of worms is a very epic. And do you remember, uh, instead of- Pin the 95 pin, theses yes. on the door. <laughs> Hitting the 95 Theses on the Wittenberg door. Or I remember that. We also um, relived Martin Luther's uh, translation of the Bible into German. So we, in the castle. Mm. Um, and so we, we turned off all the lights and then oh. had candles. And you I guys had to that. write parts of the Bible. It yes. was very exciting. Way more exciting than candy and, and the trick-or-treating. And right. Yeah. And writing the Bible by candlelight. Yeah. <laughs> so much epic. more exciting. But they didn't have anything to compare it to yet, so they were like, this is awesome. <laughs> but it was right around that time where um, Jeremy's like, there's got to be, what else is there? There's got to be more, so. Yeah, yeah I think, so uh, So I started thinking back to when we were in, we were students in Israel, April and, April and I met in Jerusalem in 1997, 1997, 98. And um, so that, just seeing how immersive the, 
uh, holidays were that they were practicing in Israel. We were there during the high holy days, which is Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and, uh, and Sukkot. Um, so I, I was very inspired by those things, although I had always thought of those, about those as Jewish holidays, uh, I think the way most people categorize them. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I began to just think as a dad, like, and, and, and I was very obsessed, have been reading Love the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, um, and trying to understand, you know, in principle, how those things can work for believers. And so just seeing the holidays there, um, seeing how they've been practiced for thousands of years by Jewish people, that's when I began to really understand, oh, these are biblical holidays. Um, and it's odd that we would feel completely free to celebrate cultural holidays that may or may not be in the Bible, but that we would feel not an option to celebrate holidays that are, are not only in the Bible, but are designed by God himself. One of the things that I really, I remember one, one thing that really pushed me over the edge. Um, we were in a community where we began to discuss celebrating Lent. Um, so, which is, you know, 40 days of, you know, you often fast from things leading up to Easter. Um, and I began to ask a really difficult question for me to answer, which was, should we focus on um, this kind of sort of uh, just resisting the flesh, fasting for 40 days from mm-hmm. Ash Wednesday? Like, who, who came up with that idea? I just came very, like, interested. Mm-hmm. And um, because... The people who craft your rhythms craft your life. Hmm. Liturgies are incredibly powerful tools. And a lot of people might say, well, what could possibly be wrong with spending 40 days during Lent, um, you know, really focusing on holiness or discipline or, you know, preparing your your spirit for the coming of um, Good Friday and Easter? And to, to which I, I think that there is potentially, it could completely alter your vision of the gospel. Hmm. If, if you over-celebrate certain aspects of the gospel or under-celebrate certain aspects of the yeah. gospel, you're being shaped by a different narrative of the gospel. I think a lot of people understand that, but that's, so I began to think, well, this seems like a very paralyzing question. Um, how much should we celebrate? What are the themes that we should celebrate? I became very like interested in that because I, I think rhythms are so incredibly powerful. And then to, to discover that, then I thought back to the holidays that, that I experienced in Israel, how God laid out a curriculum of seven holidays in the Torah. Um, then I began to wonder, well, okay, let's just think about what themes these seven holidays represent. And, and, the, and the deeper I got into, oh my gosh, this is like the perfectly balanced diet for how to know what kinds of themes are most close to God's heart and what things he wants us to think about for how long. So an example is somebody might fast for 40 days during Lent, but when God created a um, created a rhythm, he had them fast for one day on Yom Kippur and then celebrate and feast for seven days. Hmm. That's, that's very different, fasting for 40 days and having a feast maybe on Easter mm-hmm. versus fasting for one day and having a seven-day festival on Sukkot. Hmm. Um, again, um, it really starts from the position that like, I don't have the wisdom to know the right answer to this. Right. Um, but, but if you actually look at the Christian calendar, um, what you're really seeing there is, is and everyone would agree to this, it's a man-made. Mm-hmm. We decided um, how long, what kinds of themes were gonna be celebrated in the Christian calendar. I think there's nothing wrong with it. I wouldn't attack it or, or say that you know, we would never celebrate those things. But when I compared it to the fact that we have a God-given calendar in the Torah, 
Um, and all seven festivals are really about Jesus. So to me, the idea that, well, these are Jewish uh, holidays and Christians have no business appropriating them. These are biblical holidays that God designed that were all helped us point towards Jesus or or back to Jesus. Mm -hmm. So all that to say that 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 was probably my first thought was just like, oh, it was really a lack of confidence that the Christian calendar was the way to go. And then, of course, my ability to just invent holidays, I began right. to think, well, maybe that's probably not the best way to go either. Hmm. And I feel like it took like a giant step forward when um, we started to realize the significance, the prophetic significance of all of these mm-hmm. holidays. Yeah. And the ones that had been, like you're kind of addressing in your podcast, mm-hmm. the ones that have been fulfilled, the ones that have not yet been fulfilled. And that took another layer of like, wow, this is for us believers. Like we need to, this is yet to come. This is the fulfillment of, you know, some of these are the fulfillment of what we're waiting for. Let's dive into this, the significance here and what does this mean and that kind of thing. The other thing that probably is important to point out is that, um, and I wasn't really aware of this at the time, I I am now, that there is a, if if you see someone celebrating Sukkot, that's not a Jewish person, that's a Christian, most of them have um, been connected or have been influenced by people that are connected to something called the Hebrew Roots Movement. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a movement that is saying basically, we've lost con- connection to the Hebrew Roots and many of those people in those movements uh, believe it's wrong to celebrate Christmas and you must celebrate the biblical holidays. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know those people existed. Um, I was really animated by the question, how do I train my family mm-hmm. in, and, and how do I determine what themes are the most valuable themes and how much time we should spend on each one of those themes. Mm-hmm. So that I, I really was coming at this strictly from the, the heart of a father. I feel zero um, compulsion to celebrate any holidays. I don't have, there's, it's so clear to me in the New Testament that Paul was adamantly against Gentiles guilt-tripping each other over holidays. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's verses that directly forbid doing such a thing. Mm-hmm. Yet, I, I saw people doing this in Hebrew roots movements um, which is a little bit frustrating um, because, again, I, I, I think that they're taking away what I think the new covenant, uh, what the new covenant does to to the the, the Hebraic calendar, which is um, it, it's offered as a gift. The mm-hmm. same way when Jesus was confronted about the Sabbath, he said, it's a gift. It wasn't created, you know, the Sabbath was not created for man. Or the, the man was not created the Sabbath. The Sabbath was created for man. Mm-hmm. The holidays are there to serve us, to serve our families, to help train up our children. And so these are gifts to you. And I, I, I think about all seven holidays as gifts that we are as a family slowly unwrapping and experiencing. Mm-hmm. And um, and sometimes we're really busy. And if Shavuot, which is Pentecost, comes up every year, I'm like, God, you know, I'm really excited to figure it out. We've never really figured it out as a family. I don't feel any legalistic pressure to say we must celebrate Shavuot. Mm-hmm. But over time, I'm hoping to go deep, deeper, deeper into that holiday and understand it. So the, the holiday that we have done that most successfully is Sukkot. Mm-hmm. And um, we've gotten deeper and deeper into that holiday, and so that's now a cemented part of our family rhythm. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love someday for that to be true of all seven holidays. Um, and by the way, that also means we tend not to celebrate um, holidays that are not in the Torah, that are Jewish. I do think there are such things as Jewish holidays. Mm-hmm. Hanukkah, to me, is a Jewish holiday. Yeah, um, It's not, Purim is in the Bible, it's in Esther, but... Yeah. Yeah, but it does it does celebrate something that's more specific to 
um, an it's event in Jewish God history. It's not God-created holiday. Right. right. The, the, the people started to celebrate Purim. So those holidays, we love like hearing about those. We love supporting our Jewish friends who are doing those. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have any problem with Gentiles celebrating them. Mm-hmm. Um, but but that's a different project than I feel like the, what, the one we're on as a family, which is, man, what was in God's heart? There's something to me that's so pure about the Torah. This is mm-hmm. the, you know, I, I study the Torah for understanding economics. Mm-hmm. I study the Torah for understanding justice. I, under, I try to study the Torah to understand, you know, rhythms and and this weekly rhythms, annual rhythms, celebrating um, and and so the the liturgy that God designed. So that's that's really what I am personally really interested in. And again, it's a purely a gift. Um, I feel zero compulsion, but I, I'm very excited to 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 uncover what that gift could mean for our family. Hmm. Awesome. Well, there you go. <laughs> do you guys have, before we close out this interview, do you guys have any favorite traditions that we've done for any of the holidays? Yes. Well, I think, like Jeremy said, Sukkot is the one that we've um, probably the most consistently celebrated. And um, I love our tradition of sukkah sitting. Mm-hmm. So during that week of Sukkot, where we have a temporary dwelling, um, built outside of our house in our yard and it's taken different forms and different shapes over the years um, using different materials and so forth. But it has, it's a place where we can go outside of our house that feels very temporary. We try to make it pretty. The weather will usually do something to it mm-hmm. <laughs> once or twice during the week. Um, and it just is such a physical, tactile reminder that we are on a journey, that this is not our home, and that um, one day Jesus is gonna come dwell with us, mm-hmm. like sit and dwell with us. And so I like to, as much as we can, um, take anything we would normally do inside the house, if it's possible to do it outside that week and try to remember and then feel what it might be like to, well, remember slash look forward to the time when we get to sit and just dwell mm-hmm. with Jesus. Yeah, love that. I would say probably my favorite right now is the storytelling around the themes mm-hmm. of Sukkot. Yeah, um, we talk about you know God is our provider, God is our guide, um, that we are sojourners, that God is our shelter, and so each night, one of the things that I, I think that we struggle with culturally is that once a story is told, um, there's almost a sense culturally that okay you you you've told me that story already you know if, if one of your friends starts to retell a story. Six months later, you will in- instantly interrupt them. Oh no, no, you told me that one already. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes older people, you know, they tell the same story over and over again, and you kind of like, oh, we got to sit through the story. But I think that Sukkot is actually the time where you are supposed to trot out the most epic family stories about God providing for us. You know, and they, they could be, you know, in your lifetime or the lifetime of any family member that's in your family line. It, you're supposed to retell the story mm-hmm. so that your children memorize the stories that are the most epic stories about God's provision, God's being our shelter, God's guiding our family. Um, and so there's, for most people, Western people, we have nowhere to pass on oral traditions in that fashion. Um, and so I've become more, like as, as, as I start, to, anytime I tell a story that feels um, like, oh, that's right. That that was. I'll, I'll think. Okay, on Sukkot, I want to start telling that story mm-hmm. and tell my kids memorize it. 
Um, and every time we retell it, there's kind of like a pinging back and forth. And, and, and so permission's given on Sukkot to retell stories. No yeah. one can interrupt, interrupt you and say, hey, you, you told that story last year. Like, that's the whole point. Like, tell yeah. it again. See if you can share more details. See if other people in the family can fill in. Hmm. And, and then for all the children who are hearing this, maybe for the second, third, fourth time, you know, let them memorize it and then let them retell it so that, and so that this is what we're commanded to do in the Psalms is to, is to, to collect the family stories of God's faithfulness, pass them on from generation to generation and make sure that that happens. And I don't know any tradition in the Christian world in which that's even happening. Yeah. Um, but I, I, we are doing that around the fire every night of Sukkot. And, um, and I feel like that's been evolving over the years as, you know, the grandparents have got involved and as, as I've, and you know your mom has started to think about those stories and wanting to retell them, and um, that's you don't know how many you have left. You have a you have literally right. a there's a countdown on your family of how many years you have left before you are violating one of the most important commandments given to parents in the Bible, which is to make sure the next generation hear this hears the stories of the faithfulness of God. Mm. So if you don't have a rhythm to make ensure that hap- that's happening, it probably isn't going to happen. And this happens in, in families all the time where where um, people in the family die suddenly and then all the stories are lost um, that that person knew. And then, so Sukkot really fills that gap for our family. Awesome, cool, well thanks guys. Yeah, Yeah, thank you. All right, moving on to our second interview, I have Stephen and Tiffany Mori with me here today. Thanks so much for joining me, you guys. Yeah. Um, I have just a couple of questions for you guys regarding the biblical festivals. So my first one is when did you start encountering the idea of the biblical festivals and consider keeping one or a couple of them yourselves? Yeah. Uh, we were just talking about this. I think, I think it was around 2005. So I think about 15 years ago, um, our oldest, um, we have four children our oldest is uh 18 now so he would have been i think around three um and we started actually with shabbat uh which um uh led to it's like a gateway drug um (laughs) to the biblical feasts it was actually your family uh i think first we found out about shabbat from uh i had read an article in a magazine called discipleship journal uh, it was an article that was written by a Messianic Jew talking about how Shabbat is, was designed to be the zenith of the week and something mm-hmm. that uh, you are supposed to be looking forward to. So like, like climbing the mountain all week and then you get to the summit and you can see, you know, this beautiful view. And, and that just, I don't know, it flipped the switch in my brain. Um, and also um, just the idea of, of like having some other tools as a father um, and as parents to immerse ourselves and and particularly train up our kids um, in a different story. And so that started with Shabbat, but very quickly led to, I I think maybe the next one was Sukkot. I think um, it was actually your family. So this has been 2005. So in Fort Thomas, we, um, you had this weird structure in your yard. (laughs) Yeah. And we thought you guys had lost the plot and, uh, and we're, we're leaving this cult now, but now that we got, uh, we were like, what's this? And, and so we, we talked about, 
to code. I, I, I'm sort of making things up this way. It's something like that. Yeah, no, I actually talk about that story in one of my episode about the fall feast. I was like, it was this really weird moment where my house that everyone from school passed on their way to school had this giant plastic like structure <laughs> in the front yard. <laughs> so it's funny that that's your memory of it too. So I'm not yeah. losing my mind. Okay. Oh, it's funny. And ours so, was like a little tent that you could get at Costco or Walmart or something that yeah. put in our front yard. And totally yeah. not, didn't meet the biblical requirements for a suit cover. Kept blowing it. <laughs> the only thing it has is a roof, and that's like the one thing you're not supposed to have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Oh, yeah. We've had lots of different suitcases throughout the years. So. Um, so in your family right now, which of the seven feasts based off of Leviticus 23 do you guys celebrate on a pretty annual basis? Yeah. Uh, well, I'll, I'll take a crack at that. Um, the, mainly the three pilgrimage feasts. Um, we have done some of the other things, but we do, we both, we do both the, um, some biblical holidays and also some American cultural holidays. Yeah. Um, and I think for us, our, our motivation here is to, um, is to go deeper in the story, to use these, like I said, as sort of tools in our toolbox. Um, but, but also in, in revelation, I'm trying not to go into too much of a rabbit trail here, but in revelation at the end, it says that at, at the end of the story, the leaves of the tree of life are there are going to heal the nations. Mm -hmm. And so, nations plural are going to exist in the eternal kingdom, which is an odd thing to think of. We don't usually think about it that way, but I, I think that when, what is a nation, you know, it's like, it's an, a distinct culture. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and so for us, what we want to do is we, we don't in doing the biblical feast, we didn't want to like become Jewish mm -hmm. because we're not Jewish. <laughs> um, we want to have solidarity with our, our Jewish brothers and sisters, but, um, which is, I think a part of doing the holidays, but we, we also want to like sort of redeem this culture that we're in, mm -hmm. um, as much as that's possible, I guess. I don't know about the Easter money, but, <laughs> um, so yeah, so we do, we do the, uh, we do the three pilgrimage feasts, uh, Pesach, Shavuot and Sukkot. Okay. So. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I, I think it's cool to have both because you, you have to remember that we're citizens of both heaven and America. <laughs> right. um, yeah. So I kind of like having that mentality over like not completely getting rid of like cultural holidays either, but also identifying that like God set this set up this structure for us in scripture of the mm -hmm. holidays that are meant to like keep us with a kingdom mindset. So having those both yeah. like help you remember both of like your citizenships, I guess. Yeah. Well, and I would say too, like practically, it's really hard to, to start doing biblical feasts. And, and mm -hmm. part of the reason for, at least for me personally, was, um, was I didn't grow up doing them. And so there's something about the richness of a, of a holiday, uh, you know, you just have those memories, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. I know for you guys, it was like going to Disney world or whatever, you know, like yeah. I, I went to Disney world with you guys the first time, uh, as you know, I was a 30 something yeah. and I was like, why do people like this place? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I don't, I want to leave. Uh, and, um, 
and but but if you grow up going you know what i mean it's like it's one of those things you just get the thing you get the bug and you're like i i want to live at disney world and (laughs) you know become a princess and all and so the so i think not not having done these holidays growing up it it feels a little it has felt a little forced you know it's Mm -hmm. like it just doesn't have that real restfulness that i think holidays tend to have for us Mm -hmm. um or that we want them to have but but um but the uh, we do have these holidays in our American culture. Like Christmas, to me, is the best example. Mm-hmm. Like, like if you were to ask an American, what is the the sort of richest, most meaningful holiday? I think most people would say Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has like you think about like it has uh, you know there's music and there's smells and there's food and there's that's unique. Um, uh, Frank Sinatra and all, all those sort of the trimmings and the, the visuals all unique to that holiday. It, it's a great tool to like actually teach her like how do we, what, what if we began to incorporate some of those same elements in some of these biblical holidays as well? You know, mm-hmm. if we have smells and we have taste and we have sights and only certain things that we do at each one of these times, mm-hmm. um, it will, it will, will, uh, will fall in love with the holidays, but, but especially our kids as they grow up, they'll be mm-hmm. really, um, drawn to them. As I was going to say, that's one of the things it's, it, it is a lot of work on this end. So I think we started slow, but we're growing in traditions and, and our hope and prayer is that for the kids, it will be totally different. A lot of those mm-hmm. things will be established and they'll just be carrying on. Um, and, and we love doing the biblical holidays because even though we're not Jewish, we love that there's this biblical culture that will draw us deeper into the story. And and I think in our journey of like pursuing the biblical festivals, it's caused us to re-examine the other things we celebrate, um, mm. like Christmas or Easter or whatever. Um, and think about like, okay, how, how do we want to be intentional about this? And how do we want to reclaim it? Like not do it as an American. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Do it as a kingdom of, you know, an ambassador of heaven, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Good. So speaking of that, how have you really seen the impact? All <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Celebrate Christmas, you guys. Don't forsake it. It's a, it's a great holiday. <laughs> no, no, you're good. I like that comparison because that is a question that lots of people have is like, so do you just stop doing American holidays then? And yeah. um, do you like give in to like the consumerism of American holidays and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. Especially because in my Sukkot episode, I did talk about how there is speculation that Jesus was actually born during Sukkot. So someone did ask me like, so do you celebrate Jesus's birth at Sukkot or Christmas? And I said, well, actually, I made that discovery this year. So, so far, we haven't done it at Sukkot. Yeah. But it is just an interesting element to kind of try to, you wrestle with it a little bit, but I also don't think it has to be as daunting as some people think. Like, do you have to completely get rid of and like avoid Target because everything is Christmas themed, you know, like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, that doesn't mean that um, like Christmas is bad. So I like hearing how you guys have thought through that as well. Well, and, and if you're thinking about like uh, the what's already there um mm-hmm. with advent i you know i don't know how many people do advent that's very rich mm. build up all going to the story of the birth and i mean if, if you were going to make a holiday about something like making it about that event where the creator actually becomes a creature is such a powerful holiday. i mean there's a lot of rich yeah. stuff that's there it's not it certainly has become more consumerized is that a word consumerized mm-hmm. But um, I, I think it's pretty easy to resist that. 
Hmm. I think it's very easy to take all of the richness of the Christmas season, Advent, all that stuff, and and reclaim it um, for the, for the family. So yeah, that's that's what we've done. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I love that. So, what impact have you seen in your guys' kids as you have? Um, so, Angus was three when you guys started. So, they have kind of been growing up in at least some of the holidays as you guys have like added some of them in. Um, so, what do you feel like you've seen impact right now in them because of the holidays? And what do you think? How do you think that will like impact their future? You want to go, babe? Sure. I think right. because we started when we. we had only one kid he was three mm-hmm. <laughs> it's hard to know like what's changed because honestly it's it's what they have known yeah uh, but I the thing that I value compared to my own life I guess or what I see in the world is the just the focus on remembering you know like it's mm. it's not just a fun holiday with tastes and smells um and experiences there is a lot of like it draws us back into the story. It's another opportunity to talk about the story. It's another opportunity to talk about the gospel. And, and it's an opportunity. I love one of the things that, that uh, God did in the designing this and that you see in the Hebrew culture is um, let's talk about these things that are so important and let's marry them with tastes and smells and things so that mm-hmm. there's a richness, you know, like let's talk about the Torah and put honey on our tongues or whatever. Yeah. You know? like, I love, I love that. And, and my, so that is something I see my kids do in particular. Like we love Passover and they think, they think about it like, oh, we're going to eat that really sweet honey apple thing. And we're, oh, and then there's going to be that horseradish and it's going to be terrible. And we're going to remember. Mm-hmm. And, and th- those are things they talk about through the year, you know, that I don't, I'm not stirring that up. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. it happens because it's become a part of our culture. Um, yeah. So they and like they they do love christmas but i mean i think passover and easter has at least one of my kids has become their favorite holiday okay (laughs) like oh okay that's that's really cool yeah yeah that's awesome do you feel like you guys have one specific favorite tradition from any of the holidays like one that just like you you guys think about all year or you you look forward to all year well i mean i think for for most of us I think Sukkot is the, you know, our favorite mm-hmm. of the biblical holidays. Um, and, you know, we're, we're just out, like outside around the fire, you know, w- with our community. Oh, that's another thing I think that's, I don't know if that this has come up, Kelsey, in, in your talks on this, but is the power of community. I mm. think it's one thing to grow up as a, as a kid and you're just your household is like doing these weird holidays. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's another thing when there's all these families around you that are, are doing it in step and you feel mm-hmm. like you're a part of this larger community. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very, I mean, the, I think the purpose of the holiday is identity forming primarily. Mm-hmm. Um, and when that's done in the, in the context of the larger community, not, not even necessarily like you you see all the people doing it, mm-hmm. you know, but just even just knowing that they're doing it. Um, yeah. but yeah. it's great if you can, and sometimes we've gone like in Sukkot, we travel around and do like what we call Sukkah hop, you know, mm-hmm. we're like go over to other people's houses and see what they have going on. And everybody's got a little different way of doing it. And it's really, mm-hmm. it's really cool that one, not everyone is doing it the same way. And like the, each family is kind of making it their own. I love that. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. But also, you know, just letting our kids see that it's, it's not just that we're not the only weird ones. <laughs> right. No. Yeah. I think we did that one year. Didn't we do like an organized suka hop um, yeah. where like there are like maybe five families that each had their Sukkotes, like their own individual su- way that they did Sukkot and like tons of families were just hopping from house to house and like yeah. each house was in charge of like one course of the meal. So it was like <clears throat> you can have like appetizers at this house and lunch at this house and soup here yeah. and then meat here. And it was really fun. I forgot about that yeah. until you just said that. That was really cool. Yeah. And then we and then we ended off, and I think this is the thing I was going to say about uh, one of our favorite things is that our family traditionally, I don't, I don't know if like from the very early days of doing this, we would host uh, one night during Sukkot, usually towards the end of it, either a kickoff or like a sort of grand finale. Mm-hmm. Our family would sort of host like a big shindig of some mm-hmm. kind. And we'd like just for the city. Yeah, so we just like, wherever we lived, you know, years we lived in Fort Thomas, we had just had mobs of people at our house. Um, and then even as we've been out here and just like, we're, we're going to take a part of our tithe and just mm-hmm. buy people a lot of awesome yes. meat and drinks and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and really just try to get that city feel. I, I think one of the things that was, re- that really struck me when you read and even think about what this would have been like in um, the the biblical times is mm-hmm. you imagine the 12 tribes coming on a pilgrimage and being camped all around uh, Mount Zion. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And just be in the way that that whole kind of sort of valley and bowl is set up, just being able to even see all those other tribes, mm-hmm. it just would have been so powerful. Yeah. So many kids running around everywhere. So many, there's just like that real, um, I don't know, like, the large, larger community. So we've, we've really tried to create something that captures that mm-hmm. in our city, you know? Um, and so, but yeah, like in the Sukkah hop, it was like all day Sukkah hop on the last day of Sukkot. And then we all ended up at the land mm-hmm. and had however many, you know, a couple hundred people yeah, doing this big event. And yeah, people camping out and things like that. That's super cool. I love what you just yeah. said too about your tithe because that goes to Deuteronomy 14 um, yeah. when it talks about like take a portion of your tithe and just buy whatever you want to eat. And I just think that's so cool. So from when we were recording this, Sukkot starts tonight. So um, my mom just actually while I'm recording this sent a text that's like, um, everyone get ready for Deuteronomy 14 Costco run in 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, it's just a fun, like, we get to, like, this is a week that we don't have to be worried about the, like, the financial aspect of hosting when we think of it as, like, our tithe before God is, like, creating this feast to create an inkling of the kingdom. Absolutely. Well So, awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking to us about your guys' holidays, you guys. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. All right, guys, I am here with Katie Krutoff. I'm going to have her introduce herself real quick before we hop into how her family celebrates some of the festivals. So, Katie, tell us a little bit about your family. Yeah, I'm Katie Krutoff, as Kelsey said, and I've been married to my husband, Brent, since 2006. So this December will be our 14-year anniversary. We have three little ones who, and they all have July birthdays, so they just turned seven, five, and three. And then we are hoping to adopt another baby girl. She's due October 8th. So just like three weeks away. Wow. That's so exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. We are so excited. 
That's so cool. So for our audience listening, um, if any of you guys have little kids, then this will be a fun little interview for you guys to um, maybe get some good ideas from. So um, let's start with Passover, Katie. So why don't you guys, why don't you describe, first of all, like what made you consider start doing biblical festivals and then kind of describe what that looks like for your family today? Yeah, so we were... um Probably after we had been married uh, about four years, um, we started getting in a group that a lot of the people, the Priors, um, the Wolfenbergs were already celebrating some of these holidays. And that was really the first time I had ever heard of non-Jewish people celebrating them. I've always heard of them as Jewish holidays. And I loved that they were being called biblical holidays instead. And we had a greater appreciation for the Torah than I had maybe been raised with. And so it seemed like something that it was rich with meaning. And Brent and I both are like super holiday people. We love to get behind traditions. I think that traditions in general are one of the things that really bond a family together and create these memories and a strong family identity. And so it's like, if we're doing that with things like Christmas and Easter, which can also have really good biblical meaning and um, implications, but why wouldn't we also add in some of these biblical holidays, which um, some of our kids' most tangible and fun and memorable um, things that they're carrying with them and passing down are actually associated with holidays that God like gave us himself. It just seemed like such a great opportunity to get started in it. So um, I can't remember if you asked this specifically, but we kind of just started with one holiday a year and we just built onto it. So Passover actually awesome. was the first one that we started celebrating. And when we started looking into how our family should celebrate a holiday, we did a ton of research, but also even more like creative thinking and brainstorming. So we definitely talked to other families who are already celebrating these holidays. Um, There was a book on Amazon we got that I think was just called Celebrating Biblical Holidays or some really (laughs) very like blunt kind of um, title. And I loved looking into not just like how did historically, how was this celebrated actually by the people um, during that time, but also looking at like, what do we, what's the extra meaning that we get as Christians and not just Jews during Bible times. And so we kind of looked at it from all angles. And then as a parents of really young kids, we started Passover um, when Gio was still just one and a half. And we just had our first one. Um, And then actually that same year we did Sukkot uh, after a couple months after Decker was born. So then we had um, a two-year-old and a zero-year-old. And so we started with really young kids. And so one of the important things that when we were first sitting down to talk about how we wanted to celebrate a holiday, it was really important that it had some, a lot of fun elements to it. A lot of things that like our kids would look forward to and feel excited about. And it was really important that there was a lot of tangible, like symbolism kind of things that you could pull in um, to make the story just make more sense. And honestly, as a parent of young kids celebrating this, We do have a message. We do have symbols. We definitely stress all that. But more importantly, we're just trying to set a foundation of like biblical holidays are given by God and they're celebrations by a father who loves us. And I think that's the message I want to drive home to my young kids is that we have a God who's not just about the rules and the laws and the don'ts, but he's a God that wants us to like enjoy ourselves and like celebrate in his presence and enjoy his goodness of all the things he's created. And 
I just want them to have that picture of God from a really young age, like a father who's excited about his kids and wants to give them holidays and fun celebrations. And so um, I, every year we focus each holiday on the same messages, but I think at this young age, kind of, I just want to start a foundation of like, look at God's character in that he gave us these holidays. So Mm -hmm. Passover was the first one we started celebrating. Um, And the first year we did it, we kind of just, exactly copied what we'd seen either another family do or what I like found a blog post on. Um, and it was a very traditional Seder meal. We had my sister and family over and it was a little dry to be honest. And it was okay. Cause Gio's one and a half and he wasn't really mm-hmm. paying any attention, but we knew like the next year when we did Passover, we wanted to add some more fun kid elements to it. So we basically looked at the Seder meal and made it specifically 14 crew top and we kind of that that one in um we like a lot of the spring holidays we like to do a parallel between like the bible story that happened with that and also like the present day kind of story that we're living in after jesus after the cross and so mm-hmm. we made this huge banner um and it kind it really clearly has like two rows and the first one is like Here's what happened Bible times, and that's symbolic with present times. And mm. we just thought it would be really helpful for those things to be lined up so that they can see, like, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt and were slaves to sin. And, like, we just wanted to make those, like, how the story lines up really clear with, like, this is how it affected yeah. originally the Israelites who were, um, you know, leaving their their homeland and going out into the desert and this is how it looks for us as christians following jesus and so we do do still use a plate that has different activities that they do throughout but we've totally left the um maybe traditional route of the seder plate and started adding in our own things like Mm. um at one point we're throwing um, unleavened bread into the bushes to represent like throwing away our sin. And at one point we're like painting on paper with grape juice um, to represent like being washed by the blood. And so wow. we added in our own elements to it. So it's very interactive and each uh-huh. row um, has a column that then would combined with an activity that we're doing on our plate. So the main focus of Passover is definitely still the meal. We also decided, one of the things I love about celebrating biblical holidays is your first year, you don't have to have it nailed down. And so if you're like, you know what, like we need to modify that. We need to tweak that. Uh, I don't think that was hitting home with our kids or I think it'd be great to add something else to, to it. So we've been celebrating Passover now almost six years, but just two years ago, we decided to add in Passover baskets, which is literally the same thing as Easter baskets, but we do it on Passover instead because (laughs) we felt like the meal part, like it's very informative, but it's also a lot of information and little kids needed something like nobody looked forward to Passover. (laughs) And so like little kids need something to get excited about. And so like, we were doing Easter baskets and like, let's just switch that to Passover and let's bring up some mm-hmm. of the, up the ante with Passovers to make our kids really excited <laughs> about it. So on Passover morning, they go and get their Passover baskets and it's not religious. It's not symbol, but it's nothing like um, really having to do with the meaning of the holiday, but it's just another reason that they like are jazzed about Passover. 
That's awesome. I love that. And that's one of the things that we talked about before where um, now that we're no longer constrained to the law, it allows us, it gives, Jesus just gives us so much more freedom. I talked about this in my Shabbat series as well. And so having like the creative freedom to do like what works for your family is really, really fun. Um, Especially when we're talking about like creating memories for our families and stuff like that. So I love that. Um, And then you mentioned that you also do Shavuot, correct? Is that the other spring one? Okay, awesome. Do you guys have any favorite traditions around that? Yeah, that's another one that has like those symbolisms that line up exactly between like Bible times and um, then like Jesus after the cross. And so as I'm sure you've already explained, like they both are occurring 50 days after the original Passover and then after Mm -hmm. um, the cross. And so we really focus on the smoke that happened on Mount Sinai when Moses got the um, Ten Commandments and then the rushing winds when the Holy Spirit fell on all the disciples. And so we decided to really capture that is we totally went with um, color wars. So we get colored powder because it's like, you can't see the wind and the, like the smoke, like those are, yeah. so we're like, what helps that little kids see wind and smoke is like throwing colored powder into it. So every <laughs> my whole family comes over and we each get a different color powder, like the same kind of pow- like holly powder that you would use, like if you were running a color race or whatever. Um, and we each have a huge bag of it. And like the first part of the holiday is just like throwing it at each other and like watching these like huge, like color dust, like fill the air and like kind of like focus on like, that's like the smokiness. And that's like, the um, rushing winds that they would have experienced when the Holy Spirit came on the disciples. And um, then after that, we do like uh, smoke bombs and we do little like firecrackers and like that kind of thing to symbolize like the fire on their heads and that, uh, that element of the Pentecost. Uh-huh. And so we definitely, I mean, it's, it's so strange that like color powder is associated with it, but like it's become so tangible, but also just so memorable for our kids. Like yeah. word to it. And when they get confused on which like Shavuot and Sukkot and like some of these kind of foreign sounding names, it's like, remember mm-hmm. that one with the, with the color powder. And they're like, Oh yeah, we love that one. You know? <laughs> so, um, it's a really fun one also. That's awesome. I love it. And then moving on to fall, you guys do Yom Truah, the Feast of Trumpets. So why don't you explain a little bit about what that one looks like? Yeah, when Brent and I sat down to think through that one, the Bible doesn't give a whole lot of clues on the context of it or um, why it's celebrated necessarily. Like the main description is just like blow a trumpet to remember. And so when we looked at what we wanted to focus on, the route we took was like, what were the things that Israelites would have blown trumpets for? And it was like, they blew trumpets around like birthdays and celebrations. They blew trumpets as like a battle cry. They blew trumpets um, when they were like getting out an important announcement. And the Bible also says they're gonna blow trumpets when Jesus comes back. So we were like, what if we just took this holiday and we used it, we blew trumpets all throughout the day, but we used it as a day where we could tell like almost the entire story of like hmm. our story as humans, like humanity's story. And so mm-hmm. 
in the morning we wake up and we throw a birthday party for creation. So it's like starting at the very beginning of the story. And as like a celebratory burst, we like, we bought a shofar from Amazon and <laughs> like we have all the kids have their own little plastic trumpets, but then Brent has like the big shofar horn and he'll blow that and all the kids will blow their trumpet and we have a birthday cake for creation and we were actually it's coming up this weekend so like we decorated um I just happened to have this thing by me but we have day yeah. one through six and like pictures of what he created oh that's so cool decoration. um so like that's the first part of the day is just kind of like a big birthday party and we play bingo and there's actually like um a prize table that they get to pick with their like um with their Feast of Trumpet-related bingo card, which we just also made, like, on one of those generic make-your-own-bingo sites. And so, like, it's all, like, high level, and everybody's excited. And then Mm -hmm. it's, like, immediately after breakfast, we have um, this blanket that's covering a ton of helium black balloons. And we pull off the blanket, and we're like, now here's the second part of the story is when sin enters the world. And these black balloons are representing, like, this perfect creation that we've all just been celebrating. Now it's, like, there's black balloons everywhere. I mean, we get like probably 50 black balloons and it's just wow. like the room. And this symbolism in it, like the adults totally get because these kids are like running around and playing and all the like strings that are hanging. You're just like, this is what sin is like. It looks fun. Mm. But it's like it's filling our world. Like it's like covering up all this beautiful creation. Mm. And um, so like for the rest of like, we kind of just hang out with family and friends, kind of like you do on Thanksgiving where it's like, just hanging out like after the meal or before the meal. Um, And we're just kind of hanging out with family, but we leave those balloons up. And it's just like kind of a reminder throughout the day. Like this is the part of the story that we're in where we're like living in a world that's no longer perfect. There's these black balloons um, and it affects us. And then at around lunchtime, we do a little talk about like the part of the story we're in specifically is when Jesus has come back and the black balloons are still on like all over creation still in our world but like we're no longer covered in them like we're washed clean by them and so we talk about like that's exactly where we are in the story and then right before dinner we have each kid write down on a little scrap of paper um either a sin or something that's like broken about the world broken about creation because of sin that they're looking forward to being freed from someday so Mm. our kids are very tangible and we'll write something like hitting my sister or, you know, like, um, lying or something like that. Yeah. And other people might write like an illness or sickness or something that it's like, this is like an effect of sin that we can't wait to be free of. And so mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we blow the shofar again. Um, we tie all those little cards onto a balloon and then we release them. And we talk about how that's like the let the last chapter is when Jesus comes back and the black balloons just aren't in our world anymore. And like they're all of that is lifted and now we live in this back to creation like prior before the black balloons entered and so we kind of like to like give a big overview of like the story that we're living in and what's to come and um focus on a, a bigger picture holiday I love it. That's so awesome, especially because of what Yom Truah represents in the future, what it's prophetic of is when Jesus comes back. And so Mm -hmm. like leading up to that point and having that tangible memory for the kids of like, this is what we're looking forward to is really cool. And it's hard to like find a way to visualize that. So I love how you guys did that. That's so creative. Um, And then the last one is Sukkot. So this is the longest one. So I'm sure you guys have a bunch of different fun traditions Mm -hmm. around that. But do you have a favorite? 
Uh, I, we love Sukkot and we do, we spend, all, we don't camp out there. We spend all day out there. Uh, we work and eat all of our meals out there, but we do sleep inside. So there's freedom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this holiday, like all the others. But, um, we, one of my favorite parts of Sukkot is, um, we look at it as a holiday that's really like getting us excited about um, mm. this earth is not our home and we're looking forward to the home that's yet to come. And one of the ways that we do that is we like to really focus on like little tastes of the kingdom. And I remember one time being in a Bible study and somebody saying like, anytime you experience something good in this world, you should say to yourself, like, this is a taste of the kingdom. Like, if you like this, just imagine how much better heaven's going to be. And so mm-hmm. we try to fill that week with a ton of taste of the kingdom. So like the um, like the weekend before Sukkot actually starts, we go to the grocery store and we tell the kids, like, we're feasting this week. Like, we're going to fill this with things that, like, represent the goodness of, like, what we have yet to come. And so, yeah, all, like, 51 weeks of the year, they're like, can we have oatmeal cream pies? And we're like, no. And then it's like the the grocery shopping trip before Sukkot. It's like, yes, put it in the car. Yeah. And we fill it with, like, fun drinks. Like, we have Crescents, and we have, like, all different kinds of craft sodas. And then we put, like, a mini fridge on our back porch, which is where we do, like, our that's our suka. Mm-hmm. The mini fridge is just, like, free rain all weekend and everybody's belly aches by the time it's done. <laughs> but it's just like by the end of the week you're like I just like carrots I don't even <laughs> um but like the kids they never get tired of it and it's oh yeah like there's that verse that talks about where God wants you to take like once a year go take your tithe and go spend it on like the wines and the cows yes. and like feast and celebrate with him and that's like mm-hmm. that's right around harvest time that that takes place it's, same timing as the code. And so I don't know if it's exact, like if it is the code, but we kind of have wrapped that in, in that way where it's like, we're celebrating with God. Like we're feasting mm-hmm. with him. It's in his honor and it's with him. And it's like, we're in his presence as we're doing this. And so I just love again, wrapping back to like, he's a God of holidays. He's a God of like giving us good things and w- wanting to see his kids just delighting and fun stuff. And so, um, we kind of tried to incorporate that with Sakota as well. And I, it, even for me as an adult, like it just represents so much of like, that has so much goodness for us. And this mm-hmm. is like just a taste of it this week. That's awesome. I love that so much. Well, thank you so much for giving us a little window into your guys's um, holiday traditions. And thanks for giving us new ideas and inspiring our um, biblical feasting. Absolutely. Thanks, Kelsey. All right, guys, I am here with the Tile family. I have Angie and Rich Tile in front of me. Hey, guys, thanks for being on the podcast today. Hi, Kelsey. Hi, Kelsey. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. So really excited to hear about how your family started being interested in the biblical feasts and why. Yeah, so uh, maybe uh, how many years ago was it we started um, exploring this? Seven, ten years ago, somewhere in there. I'm terrible at that sort of thing. Um, we uh, just the deeper we got into understanding God's story and sort of the the way that he keeps telling it and um, the walk that he had uh, us on with respect to our faith and, and sort of what he was doing in our lives. Um, it just started becoming more and more compelling for us to consider those things. So we consider the festivals. We saw them as an opportunity to train our kids. Uh, we saw them as an opportunity to train ourselves, um, to sort of slot ourselves uh, into 
his story in a unique and different way. We also, it, it always sort of bothered me um, some of the traditional American holidays that sort of get uh, overtaken by things that are more commercial and um, this was a chance to reclaim a lot of uh, a lot of ground, if you will, in um, beginning to pursue the biblical festival. So at the at the end of the day, it gets real confusing. But like um, you know, God laid these things out for us, so we, maybe we should explore them and see what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, is the way that we looked at it on the grand scheme, mm-hmm. and that's really what we did with the biblical festivals, because there isn't a lot out there on how do you just celebrate it as a Christian family and um, what do you do? So like in the beginning, we like, we, we started with, um, I think Passover was the one that we really, um, you know, dove deep on. And we, at first we just read what the Bible said about Passover and as a family and kind of took some of the Jewish traditional meals and stuff and tried to like, just understand it that way. Um, and then over time, like years, um, we, you know, we, you know, learned more. Yeah. Yeah. We learned more and kind of understood God's story as a whole better, um, as we just dove deeper and deeper into it. So at first it wasn't like this huge, big planning process, um, or it doesn't look like what it does now. Um, as we, grew and as we understood what God's word said, we started implementing different elements into the festival, so. And then how old were your kids when you guys started? We're gonna say Madison was 10. Okay. Mm -hmm. So so our oldest who's currently 19 was 10 um, at the time. That's a good Okay, and then you have three kids, so then 10 and then what are the other, how old were the other two be? Haley was eight and Sam was, uh, what did that make him? Five. Five. Okay, cool. Yeah, and we say we have three kids, 19-year-old Madison, 17-year-old Haley, and 14-year-old Sam. Yeah, so that's a good range of time that you guys have had to kind of experiment with it and see like what works for your family. Um, so what does that look like now? So how many of the festivals, which festivals do you guys kind of keep on a regular annual basis? Yeah, we're like uh, the, the even the how many is confusing, but we're celebrating um, six to seven of them. Okay, um, awesome. So uh, mostly all of them, uh, some of them better than others. I think that's the best way to describe it. And that's why the number is a little bit ambiguous. It's like we're trying, but honestly, uh, uh, we're like some of them are, are um, challenging gifts to open. Um, like I think of them as gifts, uh, and what we have to do is continue to open them until we figure it out. Like, how does this really jive with the story? So, um, literally that means, um, that you like play with something and you try it and like, does that feel like it's, it's helping you understand and live in the story better or worse? Um, and you know, you sort of learn and iterate that over time. So, um, we're celebrating yeah, six to seven, depending on the year. Cool. So go through, walk through each one that you guys have, um, I just, I guess in order, like starting with Passover, what that looks like for you guys and what your kind of experiments have looked like over the years. Um, Passover was the first one that we tried as a family and um, it is one of my favorites. Uh, So we usually invite probably about our max, I will say 24 people. Yeah. It's a a fight. 
and we have a huge table set up with um, a, a traditional Jewish Seder plate, um, and then we follow a um, follow kind of like a script, which um, I, the Jewish people call it a Haggadah um, when they like. Like, like the script that they follow mm -hmm. for the um, Passover meal. We actually uh, twisted, not twisted it, but turned it into like a family Haggadah and more Christian elements. So um, when we first started learning about Passover, we went to a whole bunch of Messianic Passovers of different people. Messianic just being Jewish people who believe Jesus was the Messiah for the clarification of people listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We um, attended uh, different people's uh, Messianic Passover mm -hmm. um, and got some ideas and stuff. So, and then we started celebrating. I think we started just with our family for the first couple of years. And then we started inviting um, the 24 to 30 people we have now. And then that, that Haggadah, did you guys decide to do it that way because you see it in scripture or because it's a helpful way to enter into the story or like what made you decide to actually do like a, what we're calling a Jewish Haggadah? Yeah. Um, so, uh, we, the first place we looked is like, all right, so how do the Jewish people, well, for the first place is like, what does God say about this? Mm -hmm. Like, how are you to celebrate this? And, um, so then we like, okay, great. These are the things you're supposed to have your staff in your hand. You're supposed to be, um, you know, all the things I don't <laughs> actually, um, while I'm celebrating. Um, but like, I know we're not doing it right. Um, there, there is something about a father presiding or leading the meat, like leading that in some way, there's, there's some other things in there about consuming the entire lamb and those kinds of things that are like, well, what does that even mean? Right. Mm -hmm. Like, does it mean you eat all the lamb or like, how is it related to Jesus? So we want to explore those things. So um, we decide what then the next place to go is like, well, how do the Jewish people typically celebrate it? Mm -hmm. and, and assuming there's some wisdom and some some, you know, uh, centuries mm -hmm. of experience. Right. They've, they've well. preserved the tradition around it. So it's like, it, even if we're trying to come at it with a Christian perspective, they're the ones who have preserved the tradition over the centuries, the thousands of years. Mm -hmm. So that's one reason that you might go to it, how a Jewish person typically um, would keep one of these holidays first and then kind of morph it yourself afterwards. Is that how you guys yeah. kind of so we took those Haggadahs. We also took the Messianic Haggadahs and we, we like rewrote them into our own Haggadah. And like, that's what we use uh, year over year. So awesome. uh, that was the path that we followed to create it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And then we, we have, uh, we have some good little kid implements into it, like some hands-on things. Like for when you talk about the plagues, we actually hide, um, Hide the plagues underneath. Don't tell them where. Bears. <laughs> if you come to our house for Passover, you won't get spoiled. But don't tell you. Um, yeah, we will hide like little things to symbolize the plagues underneath the chairs. And the kids get, then you know, go hunt for the plagues and bring them out. And it's it's a lot of fun. That's yeah. awesome. It's a long time, but it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so then you started with Passover. What other festivals did you start to kind of unfold? Um, after Passover, I, 
uh, well, okay. After, after Passover, Feast of Unleavened Bread, um, for sure. And it, uh, But like celebrating that one feels a little bit weird. A week-long festival that uh, basically we have a conversation about, the way we celebrate it is really simple, that we have a conversation about um, what does it mean to, um, to get all the leaven out of your house? Hmm. Like, how do you do that? How does that work? And it turns out, like one of the ways we, we talk about it often is it's not even possible to get all the leaven out of your house. Um, so therefore, we need Jesus. Like, um, that, that's sort of the pattern that we follow. But mm-hmm. um, since that falls immediately on the heels, it's fair to say we started celebrating it, I guess, at about the same time. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that's basically what it looks like for us. This is, that's one that's less developed. Mm-hmm. There's less to say about it. The tradition is a little bit different from a Jewish standpoint. Um, so yeah. We yeah. try not to eat and then we talk about how there's leaven in a lot of foods mm-hmm. so, uh, and stuff. So, I mean, we, we do that, but we don't yeah. go beyond that, I don't think. Cool. And then do you guys do uh, first fruits? Um, that's the one we probably do the least of. Uh, so kind of hard without maybe, a field, don't you think? Like without your yeah. own actual like harvest? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So um, we obviously talk about Jesus and being first fruits of the resurrection and those sorts of things um, in the midst of it. But um, aside from that, we're not we're not doing a ton year over year that we can point to and say, like, those are the traditions that yeah. we built because it's like figure out uh, it, it's it's one that we feel like we haven't figured out how to open all the way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you start a conversation around it and then it'll evolve from there, kind of like the others have. And then. Uh, Shavuot would be the next one, or Pentecost? Yep. So Shavuot, um, we will do some, so I think, is there a Sabbath day or two Sabbath days even on Shavuot? That, it does, um, it, it is, uh, it, it acts like a Sabbath, one, isn't it? It's like a day of yeah. rest. It's, um, um, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but like, we try to take the Sabbath days on the days that like, the Leviticus 23 and other parts of scripture say, take those Sabbath days. So we try to take those days off. Um, and when we do, we, uh, for Shabbat, we'll, we'll invest our time um, understanding and um, sort of deepening our belief in the Torah at the same time as we are the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So um, the what that one in particular is about and the way that we Uh, So we don't, there's not like a formal tradition in the sense that we like, we always do this or we always do that. Like, it's more like we invest time training and teaching in the law and the Holy Spirit, um, which uh, we're going to go off the edge here, but like uh, the, the law and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit was meant to guide us to live in the way that the law was intended to help us live. Hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's, there's a lot that I just said there, but um, I kind of touched the, on it on my episode about the spring festivals, but you just said it a lot better than I did. So just kind of reiterating. Yes. <laughs> um, usually it takes me way more words. Um, so, uh, but yeah, like that, that we invest time in that because I think it's something that we've lost. Mm-hmm. Um, like if God doesn't change, she doesn't, um, then these things that he, that he, had us capture Moses capture like in the Torah, uh, you know, however many years ago, um, are still applicable and the Holy spirit is meant to lead us in that. So, Hmm. um, we want to keep those things coupled because it, um, it helps us under, frankly, it helps us understand the story as a whole Mm -hmm. more full. Um, that I haven't, I haven't gotten a chance to say it, but like that is why to celebrate, um, as many of these as you can is because, 
they tell the story that he's telling. And so like, um, if you're, um, like if you have that gift unwrap, like the more often you unwrap it, the more frequently you do it, the more of it you interact with, the more deeply you can believe that story. That's awesome. Love it. So cool. Okay. Uh, and then moving down all the way down to the fall holidays, we're actually about to come up on, um, Yom Trua actually next week, I think. This coming week? Yeah. Very close. Very close. Friday. Friday. That's Friday. Okay. Very close. So do you guys do anything for that one? Yeah, that one um, also in Jewish tradition has a Haggadah. I don't know if uh, if you... Oh, I didn't didn't know that. Yeah. Not everybody has one, but there's like, there's like a fish thing going on. Yeah, there's a uh, fish, uh, like pomegranate dates. Uh, leeks, carrots. Wow. Leeks. Okay. A whole little. Is that vegetable. is that in like Jewish tradition or is that in the Torah somewhere? No, that's in Jewish tradition. Okay. It's not in the Torah. Okay. We stole that. I was gonna um, say I did. I had no idea. <laughs> but that's still interesting. What isn't is to blow the shofar. Yes. Um, and so uh, most often um, I will when I'm uh, when it's time to get everybody away, out of bed. Um, <laughs> I will break out the shofar and I will also break out every electronic instrument that I can get to play a shofar at a similar time. And I'll crank them up to 11. Um, and the whole house is a blowing shofar. Oh my gosh. Uh, I love that. It's amazing. Um, so yeah, like YouTube has like eight hours shofar. Um, they do. They do. And you get them all going. It's just a big coffee. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, do that. Um, I think that's the one we also, um, we've marched around the neighborhood seven times, um, wow. uh, you know, on, on that one. Um, and then we'll do this Haggadah, um, which is uh, very similar sort of to the one for Passover, a formal, uh, formal. Yeah. And there's different elements like apples and honey. I remember for part of it too. I think that part comes from, I, which I will also be talking about this in the fall episode, but uh, Rosh Hashanah, which has kind of overlapped Yom Trua, like the biblical festival. So I, I think they do that at the same time. I think that one is linked to Rosh Hashanah, the apples and honey, but it. but it's at the same like two days. So yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. We're, we're still trying to figure out what do we do? Do we follow this Haggadah or like I just I just brought it up because it's this Friday and I'm like oh there's. We wrote down a bunch of ideas uh-huh. that we had to how to celebrate, and there was one that was, oh, we should um, get a recipe, a family recipe from a believer that passed away, and and have that, you know, meal, have that recipe uh, served at this meal. I don't know why exactly. But we should figure out. <laughs> we should figure out. <laughs> that was one of the ideas listed. I was like, oh, that's a good idea. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. You can kind of change it every year. That's one of the things I like. That's what we do for kind of Sukkot. It kind of looks different every year. Um, and then Yom Kippur is next. Do you guys do anything for that one? Yeah, that one um, is actually one. It's not, it's hard to say that it's a favorite, but um, we um, we celebrate it by fasting for the entire day. So we'll start at uh, sundown to sundown. Um, and part of, and we'll fast from like electronics as well and doing things too. And um, 
like halfway through the day, um, all of the, all of us, uh, all, every, everybody will sit down and write um, things that they want to repent hmm. of to each other. Um, so any, like, you know, I would write down things I want to repent of um, that I did to Rich for the year, like trying to think of those things or just what's on your heart hmm. that you, that's bothering you and stuff. And then we'll get together with each person individually and go through um, like a repentance to each other. And um, it's like, there's tears, there's like, you know, it's just, it's it's hard, but it's so good at the end because we're just so much closer to each other just to get those things out in the open and offer just, it's, it's, a, it's a really great, you know, coming together and I don't know. I, I enjoy it by the end. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's supposed to be a day of atonement. And right. Of- you afflict yourselves and it sounds like terrible in comparison to like Sukkot and stuff. But so that's interesting to hear how you guys do that. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's a great we- way to. Mm-hmm. Sorry. There's, there's also stuff in, um, in the Torah about repenting on behalf of the city and on behalf of mm-hmm. like people group, things like that. So we'll, um, we'll go through like at varying levels. So like, um, our community, sometimes we work our way from the top down, sometimes from the bottom up. Um, but like from the world down to like our family and everything that you can think of in between. And so we'll do that as well. It's Um, a big day of repentance. It's a big day of repentance. Wow. It's gut wrenching and it's painful. Um, there are always tears. Um, and then you break the fast at the end. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's like an amazing, uh, wonderful uh, experience and like um, it's like you know how you get a foot washing and then your feet feel amazing um, it's like that only with your heart only with your heart yeah. <laughs> oh that's awesome do you guys fast from like evening to evening like Shabbat okay so mm-hmm. that night you you can eat again in the evening of Yom Kippur okay okay yeah. cool that is yeah. that is so interesting when they were younger, we <laughs> we didn't afflict them that hard, but we would have them have like, okay, you can only, you can't eat like the special food or something, you know, some mm. food that they all like. Um, I just remember we making, worked up to. making a, an exception for the young ones. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Wow. That's so cool. I don't think I've heard any family traditions of celebrating Yom Kippur yet. So that's really cool. And then we get to go to Sukkot, which is my favorite. The last one. <laughs> this one's a week long, and I'm sure that you guys have lots of favorite stuff that you do, but what is one of your favorite things that you do for Sukkot? One of our favorite things. Um, do I get to do this one? What are you going to say? Um, <laughs> so we'll each say one favorite thing then. Um, one of my, so we have a bunch of people that participate in Sukkot at our house, um, 25, 30 people. Um, and we do every night and we do every night. Um, and so it's sort of like turn the party on at five o'clock. Um, and that's it. Um, and I think probably a favorite for me is there's a fire, um, every night. Mm. And uh, so you're sitting around the fire for two hours, hanging out, talking, connecting with people we haven't connected with in a while. Um, deep relationship, um, and hopefully a good conversation, mm-hmm. um, happening. In it. So we do worship. Um, so yeah, there's, yeah, 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 there's worship around the fire often. Um, and uh, hopefully good intentional conversation. So, Yeah. My favorite is probably um, one of the traditions we do is we have 
any of the fathers that come to our house, um, they each take turns leading uh, the night mm -hmm. and they will do some type of kid activity and an adult activity or adult questions or something mm -hmm. around the fires. Um, it's it's really neat to see other fathers lead when you know I'm, I'm always, you know, Rich is always leading us. Um, so and it gives them, gives fathers a chance to practice. Yeah, leading. Um, so I think that one's good. And and the other thing I like is the food because all the families it's like a potluck and yes. everybody and we have like desserts and it's just yeah. Somebody brought a charcuterie plate one year. It was oh, like thirty okay. inches. So oh yes. my gosh yeah we always end up with way too much leftover food and like five desserts that no one can finish so yes. it's a little yeah. bit extra <laughs> but the bible says to do it too i know yeah. it says it isn't that crazy that's the coolest part <laughs> and hard liquor yeah yeah I, I mean, the, the passages about Sukkot are so mind-blowing because it feels like the opposite of everything else in the Torah, like all the other laws. And this it's just so cool. Mm -hmm. I love it so much. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so, so much for taking the time to share with us your family traditions around the festivals. You're welcome. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us, Kelsey. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for listening to this episode of Strength and Dignity. If you learned something or felt encouraged by this episode, take a quick second to share it with a friend who you think might enjoy it too. Hope you tune in next time.